What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the show. My guest today is an active voice in Web3, sharing valuable insights on a daily basis. He co-authored the first Harvard Business Review article about NFTs, market commenting through blog posts, Twitter spaces, podcasts. You might recognize him through the unmistakable enthusiasm that he brings on the Coffee and Captain show. His name is Steve, also known as at NFT Bark on Twitter. He is the founder of DJ Network, a community-driven NFT and cryptocurrency media platform bringing news articles, podcasts, and live streams to the Web3 space. Hearing about Steve's journey and what he's working on is like a shot of adrenaline to the system. In this episode, we dive into his background, his previous corporate jobs, work-life balance, optimizing for happiness. We talk future-proof, moonbirds obviously DJ Network, Coffee and Captain, and much more. Excited to share this episode here with you today. So without further ado, please enjoy my convo with Steve. So you were going to give us like a little TLDR on the Moonbirds proof. Uh, I guess it's called Future Proof, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Future Proof is on the 30th. And this was sort of the preview to Future Proof that they're giving to the community because the community was like, look, um, you dropped the CC0 thing on us. We were surprised. Uh, they felt like there was some lapses in the oddities communications, which I was actually okay with everything with oddities. I love the art. I love the way it went down. I love the trade match. Um, and so their solution, which I appreciate was they're like, we heard you before we give you a, pre a thing in two weeks, we want to give you a preview and have you ask questions and, and kind of answer some things that we can, which I think was like a really nice touch that they had. Um, and I didn't expect anything. Honestly, I was, I was pretty, not that I didn't expect it from a positive perspective. I just, it, you know, it's a preview. It's a high level preview. So like, what do you really expect out of that? Um, but I thought uh, Kevin and Justin knocked it out of the park. You know, they they acknowledged and, and kind of said, look, we get that we didn't do a great job communicating last time, um, but we want to make sure we acknowledge that up front, which I think was good because there was this elephant in the room. If they didn't address it, people would have yeah. said like, hey, what's going on here? Um, but it was like just the right tone where it was like, we get it, we'll do better. Let's move on to the cool stuff. And then they moved on to the cool stuff. Um, so tell us a bit more about that cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, high rise, they, t they talked out a little bit. So sort of like this all in one sort of Web3 platform, which I think will be really cool. They talked about have it having sort of info resources, um, you know, information on there and, and sort of a social component too, which was really cool because Web3 doesn't have this all in one platform and kind of a key part of it was they said, you know, they basically said, like, this is for the community to help iterate and figure out, which I think is cool. I love being able to, like, get early access to product and, and work on it. Yeah, beta test it. Yeah, like, I love being a beta tester. I, I love that I'm getting to test out other side land for Board Ape. So similar to that, we're going to get to test it. But it's rolling out to, it could potentially be rolled out to other Web3 communities, meaning they're actually building a monetizable project, which I, which a product, which I think is important because a lot of these web three brands don't have that. And their business model is secondary sales. So it's like mm -hmm. it's showing a business model. We're getting a cool product first. We're getting to beta test and we're going to have some sort of special access. So I thought like off the bat, that was the first thing they went out with. I was like, all right, I'm all the way in. I'm getting excited now. Very cool. I always heard uh, people kind of like, like give, give some, stipulation about that like the fact that they're building the next discord or like a combination of twitter and discord and it does seem that they want to bring other communities into that and it's not just something that's going to be for moonbirds or for oddities or 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 proof yeah that's it and that's what it is and that's what i think is good because look if it's uh, the last thing i want is another tool where i stay by myself with just one community right that doesn't 
that doesn't have like a high mass appeal to me. But mm. if I can like sort of conjugate my, cause I'm in a lot of communities, I'm in apes, I'm in doodles, I'm in moonbirds. Like I have all these ones that I really, really love to be able to conjugate those all into one area. Um, that has like a much more usability. Cause like people knock on discord, but we don't use discord for what it was intended for. Like discord wasn't intended to have exactly 500 communities waiting for announcements and constant inter- like discord wasn't intended for that. And so I feel like they're like looking at like an actual product need in the market and building it. So like, and that, that was like one small part of the call, but like off the top, when they said that I was like, that's exciting. Yep. That was cool. And, and knowing that, uh, Alexis Ohanian is, I guess like he's an advisor or like he's an investor in, in proof. Like I think he, his input will be very valuable for building any kind of social platform. Like he did with Reddit. Yeah. That's a great point. Actually. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about, but I think that's a really, really astute point. Martin is that the fact that like Alexis will be advising on it means that like somebody who really knows this stuff on top of like Kevin's background, obviously, um, is going to be working towards it. So it makes you have a high degree of confidence and success there. Um, so that was cool. And then they talked about the birds and it was really cool because you could hear their voice perk up when they said moonbirds, like not in an inorganic way. Like they got excited when they're like, Oh, moonbirds, like we got exciting things coming for moonbirds. And it felt very, um, look, I'm like Justin, Justin, in the sense that I get excited over everything, but you can hear, <laughs> you can hear Kevin go like, I always, I'm a human version of a Labrador retriever and Justin's like my golden retriever counterpart. We even kind of look alike, which is weird. But, um, <laughs> Kevin went from like his sort of normal tone to like, he perked and he was like, yep. we're excited for moonbirds. He's like, we got, uh, he's like, we have a, a lot coming up for moonbirds, big plans. Um, they're like, we want to make Moonbirds a cultural phenomenon. They're like, we really only think two NFT projects so far have sort of crossed the chasm, and that's punks and apes to some degree. He's like, we want to be that third in that category. Um, they sort of teased brand deals that they're talking about, but didn't really get into it. Um, you know, they talked about Moonbirds participation in the DAO, which was really cool, which I'll get into in a second because it's, it's definitely related to Moonbirds. Um, mm-hmm. but even the fact like they, they, they said like the, I wrote down some quotes, like they're trying to hit big cultural moments with big brands. Um, and so they really want birds to be in pop culture, but then he made this comment again, like he, he got really excited and Kevin's like, let me be on, let me like, just say this. He's like, I don't want to give away too much. He's like, there's a reason why birds nest birds sit on nests because they hatch things and every, and I could see, like sense, even though nobody was there, <laughs> you could sense everybody just go, Oh, like who was listening, even though you couldn't hear it where he's like, it's going to affect things. He sort of teased out that it'll matter, like almost towards teasing the fungible token, like the same way ApeCoin existed, that that's going to matter. Um, the ability to kind of continue to get things out of this ecosystem to matter. Um, basically saying, and well, I love the fanny pack. Like, and I mean that not like not ironically, I love the fanny pack. There mm-hmm. are people who are like, you know, didn't love the fanny pack. There was a tease there that made it feel like there's going to be a whole lot more to fanny pack, to nesting than fanny pack. So that was exciting. And yeah, then he got into the Dow, which which made basically the the effect of the Dow. And I actually asked a question on stage because I wanted to clarify. But it sounds like the Dow is essentially going to be this culmination of them using, yes, their money, which is how most Dows are used. You use this pool of community money, but also their network which i think is a key point because look who has a bigger network than you know kevin rose and and justin right and justin and them and hire new people in to ensure that as moonbirds and and other community members put things into the dow and proof members 
it has a higher probability of success. It's sort of like when you go to Shark Tank and Mark Cuban invests in you or Kevin O'Leary invests in you. You don't just get right. their money. You get their network. You get their resources. You get their wisdom. And it seems like they're trying to make the DAO be that sort of incubator, which I thought was, again, a really smart nuance that I think OnChain Monkey sort of doing that, but like not a lot of DAOs are doing it that way. So I thought really, really good job by them on that too. So that I guess does that uh, tie into the CCO aspect of things that their decision and all that. So it's uh, from what I understand, like the, the CCO part, like they're making Moonbird CCO, but then the DAO would be able to vote on which projects they would kind of support. Right. Yeah. And they didn't hit on that specifically, but I think that was something they had talked about before, which I think is like a good thing where it's like, look, like if somebody is a really good, which I, I think is totally fair. Right. If like, and, and, and for the record, I, I'm not a big supporter of, of, of CC0, but I'm I'm always willing to let it play out, right? Like, I don't know for a fact. I just go based on what I've seen happen. I'm not saying there's any one model for anything. But in that sense, I think it's a really clever use of CC0 because it's saying, look, if the community can propose a really cool idea, and I, I'm making it up, they didn't say this, but like, if it's like somebody's like, hey, can we get a show on Disney Channel? And Kevin Rose is like, yeah, I know people at Disney Channel. And the Dow votes on it and he's like, well, let me make this phone call and we make this work. Like that's an example of where CC zero could be a really cool application and the Dow could help vote on it directionally. So I think that that's, I got excited mm. about how they're, how they're utilizing the Dow. I think it's like, it's not like a lot of Dow's where it's like you vote, you leave it and the money spent. Good luck. It's you vote. And then the network and resources and people specifically hired to work on that stuff will end up helping it succeed. So I think that that was like a really cool nuance and a really good direction that they're pushing. Yeah, a thousand percent. And, you know, it's something I was talking about. I was talking about DAOs with uh, Abraham from Cadre Capital, which did like all the smart contract with uh, Rick House DAO. And he's worked on other things too, e even the, the proofer DAO. He's the one that uh, developed it with his team uh, from Cadre Capital. And I was asking him like, what forms a good DAO, right? Like what's a good structure for a DAO? And obviously it's a very complicated, complicated question, but it does spark the, the question of like, who is, it's, it's nice that everybody has a, a, the same amount of input, but then who's really qualified to make the, the decision? Cause you have like so, some sort of skills that I don't have. And therefore, like if we can make a DAO where people get to vote on which projects will move forward, but also which projects will utilize like the network from Kevin or the network from, from, um, you know, from Justin, or, or maybe it's someone else in the, in the Moonbird community or proof that has connections in, in hospitality or restaurants. Like, I think that is much more like realistic and a much more sustainable form of a DAO. Yeah. I mean, it's really truly is like, I always said, like, and this is something that I, I think is a really cool concept of DAOs. It's like a decentralized country, but instead of it being based on the piece of dirt you were born on, right? Like it's based on like the community and the people you vibe with. And your example, you're so, that's such a good point you made there too, where I think like, I think about like, like hey, DJ Network, which I, you know, the company I co-founded, we put in an event in NFT NYC. And we co-sponsored co it. You mentioned, you know, Rick House uh, with Drew Barman. Well, the reason we were able to put on an event in NFT NYC and be able to set it up two weeks before is because Drew Barman knew a guy from Proof who owned a building in New York. That building had a restaurant in it. That restaurant said, sure, we'll open up early for y'all and serve you guys some breakfast and drinks like for your event. Like just here's mm -hmm. what we would charge. And so that sort of played out on this macro level in the Dow, I think has these endless possibilities to say, like, because that's what's been cool about Proof and Apes. The only two communities I've seen do really well with 
people coming together for businesses and things like that. And I think with the Dow for them to say, okay, we have this Dow proposal. And then Kevin and Justin saying, who knows this? And then making those connection points, like there's a lot of power there. Yeah. And, and then like uh, tying it back to Moonbirds. So they were talking like they were teasing that like Moonbirds nesting is going to play some sort of utility in the future. And then they also mentioned oddities, which we saw like oddities kind of fly and uh, the, the floor almost like double. I, I, I don't even know where it's at right now, but uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? And then we'll, we'll really jump into something you, you mentioned before, like DJ Network, the things you're founding and your background as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you the oddities and then sort of some, some final thoughts on it. But I think with the oddities, like, man, that was exciting because I actually, again, I like the oddities art and I am kicking myself because I was considering purchasing another one yesterday <laughs> that was like kind of by the floor. And it was really, I forget what it was like a hoodie or something. And then it got bought and I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't love any of the ones near the floor. And look, I'm not trying to flip these anyway, because I'm not a flipper, but like would have been a good move because people didn't know exactly what the plan was for oddities. And it was almost as if like Kevin and, and, and Justin acknowledged up front, like, look, oddities were going to be this fun drop. We love Gremlin. Who wouldn't want to own a piece of Gremlin art? Like, and, and again, I love the art. Um, but that and I, I own two of them. And now I'm glad I own two of them because mm -hmm. they essentially announced like and I think oddities were the big winner, by the way, the big winner of this call were oddities. And we'll see who the winner is in the 30 if there's more. But um, there's going to be the odd opportunity to burn one for something special in the proof ecosystem. It, it might be the next PFP. It might be, we haven't had a hundred percent clarity. Like they said, it'll be pretty cool. Um, wow, okay. They confirmed that Gremlin was like cool with the idea. Cause like there's a big, which was a really smart thing to get ahead of time and say, because there's a lot of folks who are like, I don't like burning art. And that's like a big no, no. And so Gremlin being like, it's the thumbs up. I did the art. Um, I think is cool. cool. Um, and then they said something like, like Justin said something, I got to see if I can find the quote here because it was kind of fun because they said like, essentially you're going to have to make a decision because there's going to be lore and utility around oddities. There'll be things that exist just for oddities, just as there are things that exist for, you know, proof and moonbird solely. Um, and Justin said something to the effect of like, so you have to decide if you want to burn or continue to build this weird world that we're building around oddities. So, um, <laughs> so they're thinking through, and that was a theme that they hit on as well, where they're like, we have tokens in the ecosystem. We don't want to expand to a bunch of tokens and drop NFTs on this ecosystem at once. So what we want to do is like build out like real reasons to own each one of the pieces in this world. So, um, you know, and they talked about proof, too, which I think proof isn't exactly hurting. People know that proof membership has a ton of value. They're going to do 10 drops of some sort of year events a year, like the, you know, something like to the grails and everything. So. Yeah. So, something valuable. They didn't say like exactly what there will be. They said 10 events a year. So and I don't think anybody was concerned. They've always been a, done a really good job driving value back to proof first and foremost and, and maintaining that layer of, of, of sort of membership. So, you know, my one other thing I want to say before I, you know, we move on is like, you know, besides the fact that my thoughts were like home run nailed it, like I had no critiques coming out of it. And I'm not afraid, like, I'll be honest when I see something that I think is like needs improvement or deserves critique. And I'll be honest when I see something great, it doesn't matter if I own it or not. Like that's something I try to do. And I, I couldn't find a critique today. Um, there was one sort of throwaway comment though, that I felt really, really good about that. Kevin didn't even, it was during the Q and a session and people were sort of just asking stuff and saying something about like selling or buying. And Kevin made this throwaway comment where he said like, look, Proof isn't actually in a trading freeze right now, so we can't because we know what's going to be announced on the 30th and we knew it was coming here. So we told we put the team in a trading freeze to buy and sell. And I just thought that was a really good integrity move to say, 
we know what's coming up and we don't want to shadow of a doubt. And again, Onchain Monkey is another one that I think people kind of sleep on with their professionalism. And I remember when I signed with Onchain Monkey because I worked for them for a few months. Um, I, I, I got a like a letter from our legal person because the week I signed, we found out we were going to get listed on Coinbase. And at the time, Coinbase was seen as this big deal. It's, it's not played out that way, but it was a big mm -hmm. deal at the time. And they were like, we're in a trading freeze until at least 24 hours after this announcement. And I really like that level of professionalism. And I would say similarly, Proof being in a trading freeze leading up leading up into their uh, their sort of conference is or announcement, I should say, is a really nice touch to say we're taking it seriously and taking the feedback from the early days of Moonbird seriously. So, you know, hats off to them on all that. Yeah. And um, yesterday I was on a um, I think it was like a town hall kind of impromptu town hall with AKA Stevie that they were doing for, for grails and like, what were the thoughts on grails, who the artists were. And even her, she said, you know, like we're, we're putting a freeze for all proof, um, employees that like, uh, they can't, you know, they can't be, uh, minting grails. Right. So they could only pick it up on secondary, which again, like it just speaks to the fact that they are thinking about it. A hundred percent. And for me, it's like, almost like, you know, my TLDR on it is like, look, like I, it's funny when I was writing, I wrote a thread about the CC zero stuff and like, I did read it. It was amazing. And, and it's uh, like, we'll link it to the, to the show notes. Well, it's, it's a thing where it's like, I remember because as I'm writing it, I literally wrote in the thread. I'm like, I hate writing this thread because like, I'm trying to be authentic about my feelings. And I've been a fan of Kevin Rose for probably 10 years at this point. Like I've all, I've really, really enjoyed him. In fact, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but my, I bought my first Ethereum NFT because I was listening to Kevin Rowe's podcast. He was interviewing Snowfro, the founder of ArtBlocks. I remember where I was walking my dog, the tree I was in front yeah. of when they mentioned a thing that I'm like, I need to go buy one of those. And I was did. Was it modern, modern finance, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was modern finance. And I was listening to them, you know, Snow, talk to Snowfro about these Galaxis planets. And I'm like, I want to go buy one of those. And it was my first ETH NFT I bought. And I was obsessed. I showed it with everybody. I was so I thought it was so cool. Um, so it's like I love what they're building, who they are. I love Justin. I love his attitude towards life. I think Stevie's great. Like, I really like the team. And so as I'm writing this thread about the CC zero, it's funny. I wrote it on like a Saturday and I sat there with it in drafts and I was telling friends about it. I'm like, I don't even want to send this. I really just want to <laughs> say good things. I'm like, but I want to be honest about how I'm feeling. And so I put it out there and I like internally struggled with it. And Justin actually replied and like said, thanks for the feedback. I'm like, Justin, I really want to write like a nice, like, I want this to be better. I need the good announcements or whatever. So like, um, so I'm so stoked that like, they did exactly what I expected them to be capable of. And just like, did a really good job hearing the community, bringing it forward. And I don't know, I'm pumped. As you, as we move forward, like, do you think there's going to be a better reference for projects as to how they can communicate. Cause right now I feel like it's very scattered. Like every project kind of communicates announcements, I guess like by their own basis, they could, they could announce something every week or they could announce something every month. Do you think there's going to become like, there's going to be a standard where the community will maybe they, they can expect an announcement every three, three months or every four months, because right now, like there's a lot of like, acting and reacting, right? Like some, the founders say one thing and then the community is like, well, that, what does this mean? Like, you know, you didn't, you didn't necessarily deliver on your promise in like the two weeks that we've been looking at it. And like, and it's so, it's so challenging for founders because in their mind, like, let's say if we use like, whether it's Board Ape, whether it's Proof, uh, Moonbirds or Azuki, I'm sure they all have like these different timelines that they want to hit or on-chain monkey, right? And 
where's the line of like, where do we draw the line of like giving away information, but also giving, keeping that little secret, like the little element of surprise. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point actually. And it, it, it brings me back to, I can't remember where I was traveling back from, but I remember sitting in the Atlanta airport. I think it was called traveling back from South by South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And the board Ape yacht club roadmap leaked. It was an A from an A 16 Z deck. And I remember I actually had a little bit of me inside who was like, it's like, I don't want to see my Christmas presents the day before Christmas. Like I want to open them. And it's like, there's this piece where like, I almost felt like because I'm a commentator on the market and I talk about it, I had to look at it. Right. I couldn't not, but part of me was like, I don't want to see this. Like I want to be surprised. So I, I think here's where the balance is. Cause I actually, again, like I've been th- tossing out threads left and right lately. And I had a thread actually on something similar to this recently where I think there's a balance between the communication and being upfront with your holders and not giving away everything. And I think that balance comes in something we can almost learn from the traditional markets where whether it's quarterly or every two months or whatever that is, if you have a set moment in time and proof starting to do this, right? They've done it a couple of times now where we're going to have announcements. We're going to talk about things, et cetera. You could sprinkle in things along the way if there's fun things that happen and they're time sensitive. But it almost gives you a moment in time that you lead up into it. The holders know that they can get the big announcements then. And that also, I think in some ways, because here's what I respect about proof. They said nesting, nesting, nesting. What nesting, nesting, nesting tells me is that they're not interested in just FOMOing for secondary sales. A lot of projects will push something out because they want to get secondary sales and, and they don't, you know, if they're talking about nesting, they exactly. don't care about those things. So with that in mind, like it kills the speculative FOMO in between things. Um, Cause again, some projects live on that and they want to get their secondary sales, but like with them pushing nesting, having these quarterly meetings, makes a lot of sense because then, you know, instead of someone saying, I heard that they're doing this and this is in the works. And then there's all this speculative trading. I mean, other side land is a great example where we've seen other side land spike one to two ETH in price multiple times and come back down because people are, speculating and guessing things and there's always insider trading, then it doesn't happen. Well, then somebody's getting wrecked. And I think like having those, maybe those moments in time and finding those opportunities to surprise and delight the community, but having almost those like shareholder, but it's more like community meetings. It lets you not have this like alpha run And today. Yes, there's a run on oddities, but the run on oddities was, was well-founded. It was because we know that they're going to have value now in the proof ecosystem. Right. And so instead of someone being like, Two weeks ago saying like i heard oddities might do this it makes it so that so i think that's probably the way to do it but at the same time i think as 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 token holders and community members like we need to pump the brakes a little bit because we're in this unprecedented time we've never seen businesses being built in public like uber wasn't built it was three years before anybody heard what uber really was they tested a model where you could hail an actual taxi cab they tested a model that was only high-end and if that happened in the Web3 space, imagine the anger and discussion that would happen for the holders to be like, you can haul a normal cab or like only high end. What about it would have been, but they refine their model. Right. And so I feel for founders that they, they have to build in public and constantly announce. But I feel for the community because they invested. They were the first investors up front. They're like seed round. So I think the community, the solution is somewhere in the middle. where like, we could be more patient. The brands could do a better job with communications. So there's probably a middle ground there. 
Definitely, like transparency and communication is key. One of the the things that you brought up in your article, like CCO, CCO article, like about Moonbirds, is that you would have appreciated, and myself included, like a bit more communication on the proof team side. You know, it's because it was such a big decision that it felt weird not to be included. But then, you know, it might just play out. And then, you know, everybody's going to be happy and, and laughing. But it's just like in the moment, I think a lot of times, like people just want to be more in the know without necessarily giving everything away. Those are my like two cents I'm adding to that. And uh, on that note, like I wanted to go into um, your own project that you founded. So DJ Network, can you tell us a bit more about that, how it's going and what are like the future plans? Yeah, yeah. Really excited about DJ Network. So for people who don't know, I mean, it was about... Uh, God, a little over a year ago, probably a, a year and a month ago, we launched. But um, yeah, we, we launched. We, we, we were looking in. Uh, so I've always been somebody like my background. I was a TV reporter out of college and I've always. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No wonder. <laughs> You're <laughs> such a such a good like uh, orator and speaker and, and just like uh, very entertaining when I, I listen to your spaces. Please continue. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, I was a TV reporter out of college. I gave a speech at my high school graduation and I was always the person that got thrown on stage at like my old jobs where they're like, hey, we're having a 5,000 person pep rally with an NFL quarterback. Can you host? We're asking you the day before. I'm like, sure. So like <laughs> I always do that sort of stuff. But like, uh, you know, we thought that there was this missing element of sort of market commentary. So like when I got into NFTs, everything was discussed on Twitter. There weren't a lot of websites. There weren't a ton of podcasts. There wasn't a, and so me and a buddy got together, my buddy, Joe, actually the way it started was hilarious. We met in this board ape incubator, like a week after we got our board apes or something. And we actually thought we wanted to do this merch business. Like we're going to get rich on merch. And we're like, we had all these meetings, had this actually this idea that most people have taken this idea of merch capsules. And we had this whole like plan that actually has played out. But like, we realized after a few meetings, we're like, we don't know anything about fashion. We don't know anything about <laughs> merchandise. We don't know anything about clothing. We don't know how to code smart contracts. We're going to start this business, hire people. And they're going to be like, why do we need these guys? So we're like, <laughs> that's not great. Um, but then we kind of had this conversation. I'm like, look, like I do a lot of writing, always have. And I also like, you know, speaking and stuff and uncomfortable in that space. Joe, who I was talking to, Bunch You Bets on Twitter, he hosted this really great podcast called Mint Condition, which is constantly on the list of like top podcasts in NFTs. And I was like, what if we started a media company? And so, you know, our decision was we're like, you know what, let's do this. And so we got together and, you know, reached out to some people. And honestly, like what we ended up doing was you know, starting, you know, a few podcasts, you know, writing content, creating a website. And all it was was like this fun, uh, you know, not with the edge. So this is not the right comparison, but almost like a barstool sports for uh, for Web3 in the sense that not like they were trying to be edgy or anything like that, but in the sense that we wanted like come one, come all. We wanted it to be like the same way that barstool was a fan's perspective of stuff. Like mm. I'm a collector and an enthusiast and my, my threads, my articles and my commentary will always be from the sense that like, I may have, I, I will be honest about my biases, but I may say like, yes, like I met these founders from doodles and I really like them. And here's the insight I have based on that. And so like, I always wanted to be like honest about how I'm feeling, but like this, people like Barstool because like, you know, when you see like one of the hosts of like one of the popular podcasts is a Chicago bears fan and the Chicago bears stink. And like on Mondays after the Chicago Bears like have a devastating loss, you hear it in his voice. And that's what I wanted. We wanted, you know, DJ to be is like 
you hear it in our voice. We love certain brands. We love certain things. We get wrecked like everybody else. We talk about it when we have bad losses and we're down bad. We talk about it when we have wins. So that was sort of the idea. Um, and it's just kind of, well, a- I mean, you just made a space where you could speak about it authentically and, and freely and openly. And it's just up to you to, to set the standard with your audience that that's what you're going to do. Exactly. And that's, and, and that's the thing is like, we want everybody, we think our perspective at DGEN is that we want to create great content. We want to create a, a community in a place where anybody's welcome. And we want people to understand that they have a voice and, you know, uh, and we're getting to coffee with captain, I'm sure. But like, you know, I, you know, coffee with captain, the show that I host Monday through Friday with my buddy, Chris, captain Zwingli. Um, our, our goal is to bring up as many voices as possible and make it as much their show as ours, because we don't want to live in an echo chamber. Um, we want people to come up and challenge us. And we say like, we want to disagree without being disagreeable. We want people to pop up the stage. And, and that's the ethos of DGEN. We want everybody who is in web three to realize their voice matters. And we want to hear the perspective from collectors and, um, and, and enthusiasts and academics and founders. And we've been really lucky that we've been able to have all sorts of great people on various shows to do that. And so, um, so that was the impetus of it. And then it grew into this community just kind of by accident in the discord. Um, you know, it really happened when the Jenkins of Valet happened, that the website crashed and suddenly mm. everybody's teaching each other how to mint from the contract. People are minting for each other. And then we looked and it was almost like we just needed to go outside and have a, have a glass of whiskey afterwards. Right. We we're just like, Oh my <laughs> God. Like that was, that was intense. And we looked around at each other and we're like, there's more to this than just the news and reporting. Like this is a community that supports each other. Um, so that That's was sort beautiful. of an evolution that happened. And then since then, like when the other side land minted, for example, like there was a huge deal where people got their ape coin. There was a gas war. We, we actually didn't know the other side mint sucked until long after, because there was 25 of us on a, on a discord, the other side, um, you know, meta uh, mint for like the, the board apes metaverse when they're minting out the land, a bunch of people got gas ward out. They bought ape coin. Then the ape coin went up. Then it dropped in value. And it was a disaster. Everybody in the DJ and discord who wanted to mint other side land got it. Cause we got in a voice chat during it. And we all just like cranked the gas together. We were calling out the numbers. We had all these experts who knew how to do it, talking and coaching each other. In fact, we coached and we didn't have enough money for the gas. Unfortunately, otherwise it's a more epic story. We coached my 10 year old daughter. I was in New York. We coached my 10 year old daughter over the phone and if she had the gas, she would have minted. Um, and she was she was playing in the gas. So it's like it would became this community where everybody cares and helps about each other. We started buying bots that would help like people get the best information. We started putting daily recaps of the market in there. Um, and suddenly we're like, hey, there's something kind of special here where there's this community as well as this news and information thing coming together. And it was just like it's hard to explain, but it's a special area in Web3 where like People legitimately are in it to win it together. They care about each other. Um, it's like fun and it's engaging. We provide tools and information. It's not an alpha group, but I mean, we. I remember when we were the. I, I didn't mint goblins. I was at VCon, but it was like everybody in there minted goblins because they're like, hey, there's this free mint. We saw Mike Dudas was the first one to mint from the contract. Some of those people made like nine ETH because they minted a free mint in the DJ Network I, Discord. I, I minted too. <laughs> But it was, it was from, um, it, it was from the, like, we had a, a proof dinner at VCon and then there was like this one guy that was like the, 
he was analyzing like some projects for proof and he just did so, some stuff on, on the, on the side, like for funny. He was like, I'm really looking into this goblin town thing. Like they're really doing funny stuff with their spaces. And he's like, you know, just, just check it out, listen to it. And then I started listening to it and I was laughing. My, I was, I was just like falling off my chair laughing. It was so funny. So I was like, well, why not get into it? And um, yeah, that's <laughs> just side tangent, but uh, it's funny. Like it's all about timing in this market. You know, you miss one day, two days, Days, and it might be too late. Yeah, no, the VCon is a great example because I was at VCon too, and like everyone in DGen is talking about it, and I was like, I don't know, this is like <laughs> an anonymous founder. I don't know if I want to get into it, but like I might have done it if I was home. Who knows if if I would have you know jumped into it? But but yeah, like the Discord just turned into this cool place. So it's like we have this weird dual thing going on where it's like we have these shows which really are community shows. Like when the mint condition goes live, which is one of our podcasts, the chat's going wild. B-Love and Julesy, this guy B-Love, who was like the voice of Suff Ducks, when he goes live, the chat's going wild, it's participatory. Coffee with Captain, we have people coming up and talking on a regular basis at 8 a.m. We have founders that are awesome. Like we're gonna have um, Alex Tobb, who's actually the founder of Goblin Town Truth and Upstream, which is a DAO software. We're gonna have yep. him on next week. And it's like, we have this cool like like thing building. So. Um, so long story short, where it's going, I think from that perspective, so like we built like shows and communities and like this brand, um, we have partnerships and things coming up, which I'm excited can't announce yet, but we have a couple of really cool partnerships coming up, um, in the future, but we basically started deciding, we're like, you know what, like let's token gate this thing because there is value. And actually our community, ironically, were the ones who were like, are you guys going to token gate? Cause there's a lot of value here. <laughs> like, but you think it's like the founders, um, and our plan, I mean, outside of possibly paying back for some of the money that we spent, we're not taking any money. Like we're not taking a paycheck out of, we're like, yeah, you know what? If we token gate it, we can raise some funds. We don't care if we sell out because we just want people here who want to be here. And then from there, we can take those funds and deploy them to like do IRL events, to add more value to the discord, to give prizes for things. And we realized like, yeah, there's probably something there. So um, so we decided in, in, in September of, you know, this year, uh, 2022, we're going to launch a token and token gate the discord and, um, nice. it'll be nice because like, you know, it's like as much as like, we want to keep DJ humming. It's like, I think the founders like, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll just say it out loud. It's like when we're spending like a thousand dollars each to split an event in NFT NYC, that's only sustainable for so long before you're like, okay, we either have to pull back on the events and just do this a little bit lighter or, we need to figure out a way to like monetize in some other way. So that's kind of the direction we're going. It's this fine balance of like, what do you provide for free and what, how do you actually make your project or your community valuable? Because it seems to me like being inside the discord and, and being on coffee and captain and everything, you guys have a community that's already super solid. Like everyone's engaged and kudos to you for building that because it's, it's not always easy. And uh, you guys have been very good at being consistent every day like you like you say monday to friday like really hats off thanks yeah no it's it's funny because like it's hilarious how like a lot of times like you build these things without even trying it's like we weren't mm -hmm. trying to build like this community that we were going to token gate like that was never in our initial early plans right like we're like well we need a discord and it's going to be a professional place for the writers meet and all this stuff and then suddenly like jokes are flying people are minting from the contract and we're like oh <laughs> This is cool. And we're like, well, what if we bought a bot or what if we bought this or what if we and next thing you know, we have like all these build up of value and, and it became pretty cool. And the other thing we've tried to be transparent is like none of us like we're all docs. None of us are like trying to rug people and, and we're a pretty professional team, or at least we try to be. And we all have professional backgrounds. And we're like, look, 
like we've been telling people probably for months now at this point where we're like come in the discord we're gonna token gate at some point see if you find value and if you go in and you're like i spend no time here don't buy a token like it won't hurt our feelings because we totally understand the value is not there but if you really like it we'd love to have you and um you know we're just going to give access to you know the tools to the alpha to everything that's been already there um you know and even like i think to some degree it's going to help us because i think you know as a dgen team we do a lot of phone calls with a lot of people and you know like on twitter a lot of people reach out and they're like hey can i have you know 30 minutes to talk about my project and i love doing it i've been doing it a lot but um it, it gets to a point where it's like okay maybe now i can focus where it's like I give office hours to DGen, right? Maybe on Sundays for mm. four hours, I'm like, take these half hour slots and book them, right? And prioritize yeah, if you've been of, there. Kind of Zeneca style. Yeah. And because and there is, I, I totally like didn't realize it again. More, one of our co-founders, um, yeah, Web3 Morgan, not, uh, she's, she's one of the, there's like 50 Morgans in Web3, but her name is Web3 Morgan on Twitter. Uh, uh, she's, but she was there at uh, Amari Amargo. What was it? Was it the NYC place? Like Amari yeah. Amargo or okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh yeah. Um, yeah. and she's great. And she's like a great friend of mine. Her and I actually have a very sibling like relationship. Like we actually have thought about getting a DNA test at times. Cause like we, <laughs> we bust each other's chops and it's, it's very strange. We have like similar thoughts. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, she's like somebody who's helped get us like super organized and, and helped kind of like set us in, in, on a path, I think too, is bringing her on. Cause she's effectively become our COO and, um, you know, it, it's helped kind of like push us in the right direction. So that's, that's been another good ad as well. And, um, it's funny. She, she was at VCon though. And, and she made this comment to me where she's like, cause I, I, I just like, I'm just a happy go lucky guy who likes to talk to people. And she's like, Steve, you know, a lot of people, like you always know people in web three. I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, no, Steve, yeah, like, you do. <laughs> she's like, we can't go to like an event without you saying hi to like 50 people and getting excited. And like, but that also made me realize that along the way I've been doing things like, you know, people with coffee, coffee with captain have reached out to me and they've been like, Hey, I'm doing this, this project. And here's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, Oh, let me connect you to the founder of this major project. And yep. I just, to me, it's second nature. Cause I'm like, how could I like, you know, there's networking and there's net weaving. And I'm like, how can I net weave to help this person be successful because they have a cool idea and they're looking for this thing. Like, let's make that connection. And I'll be the connector. Um, and I never asked for money or I just want to do it. Right. It's, and I realized like, oh, there's value in that. And like, you don't really think of about course. it when you're doing it day to day. Um, but like something like that in the DJ network discord is something that's cool. You are a connector, you know, and, and like, if I can give like a side tangent from like in IRL, right? Like uh, you could think of a connector, like someone like a club promoter. It's like, you're bringing people to a certain place. Like uh, you, you might not be partying with them, but you bring people together. And then eventually like everybody knows you. But you don't necessarily think that, oh, like I'm, I'm so important. I'm just bringing people there. But that's the value that you're bringing. And on top of that, you're bringing good information and you're a great host. So I think it's just a it's just a trifecta that's like um, you're you're going to do great things in this space and you're already doing great things. But um, just wanted to give you some props because no, I, I really respect what you're doing, man. I really appreciate that. It means a lot because I am extremely bad at celebrating wins. Like and my wife kills me about this where she's like, you need to give yourself credit. And I'm like, nah, whatever. And like, <laughs> like even again, Morgan, another great Morgan example where she tries to like help us out. I'm like, I don't know, like, do people really care? And then we run this live coffee with Captain in, um, you know, NFT NYC. Mm. And there was capacity of 100 and in and out. We had like 150 people show up to this thing. And we're like, oh, like these people yeah. like listen and care. And she's like, now do you believe me? I'm like, OK, it's a little more real now. And I can't like beat myself up too much anymore over this. But 
Um, so I appreciate you saying it because as, as bad as it is, like I'm really bad at celebrating wins or, or understanding effects of things. Um, and, and, and it's good to hear sometimes cause you're like, it's easy to like almost have that imposter syndrome of like, I'm not supposed to be here or I'm just pretending and figuring it out. And then at some point you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm navigating things a little well. Yeah. And, and also like you're putting yourself out there. I think that's the key point. A lot of people could be doing the same thing as you're doing. They're just not doing it, but <laughs> you're actually doing it. And, and we're at a special moment in time where communities are especially engaged in web three. And I love the fact that you are like being a part of like building all this community with everyone that's like in the web, the web three space, because this moment in time is going to go away. It's a bit like every social media platform that like starts out and it's crazy engagement and everyone's like going crazy about it. Kind of like clubhouse, like the precursor to Twitter spaces. Uh, a lot of people built crazy communities over there. Same thing with Instagram, same thing with TikTok. But now it's like, it's a time in Twitter more broadly, if I can say like a web three space to build a community. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy that you're there really like, uh, I guess, supporting the, the newcomers into the space that don't necessarily understand that much about whether it's like minting from the contract or all that, but like also like don't understand so much about a, a project and get introduced to a project. I appreciate that. And I obviously appreciate you and, and, and your friendship, Martin, as well, just because I think, you know, like you're, you're one of those people who's just so authentic um, in, you know, who I, I, I'm really privileged to have gotten the opportunity to meet it you know, a couple of different proof events and, and things. And that's another thing about the proof community, by the way, it's like a side note that, you know, I've said like, I owned no Moonbird and no proof pass. And yet the proof community and the Moonbird community has been so accepting and kind to me before I did. And now I do now I own a Moonbird and two oddities. But like at the time when I would go to the things at VCon, nobody was like, you're not supposed to be here. Like, and there are some communities that are a little bit more standoffish that way. And the proof like token gated, but in real life with their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. But like y'all have been so cool and you're just such an authentic person that it's like, you know, it's like nobody could be better to be helping build, you know, some of these web three brands and you're working with some of my friends in web three and, and helping them build their brands out. And I, I just appreciate that. So like right back at you, like, I think it's important in a space that has, I think oftentimes like the light gets shined on the people who maybe are scamming or like CD or whatever. And like, you're one of those people, like, and I'm glad there's people like you in this world who are authentically trying to help grow this world and care about it. And honestly, in creating real businesses that are using blockchain and Web3 in a sustainable way. So like right back at you. And like, I, I love what you're doing. And, and even this, this is awesome. You're putting yourself out there with this. It's cool. I appreciate it. It's also my pleasure just to have you on the show because uh, I also get so much value from what you speak about on Coffee with Captain, DJ Network. And one of the things that I want to ask you personally is what, you know, right now the state of the market is kind of dire in a sense. Like there's not much volume being traded on OpenSea. There's not much, I guess, like even the projects launching, they have a trouble launching. They have trouble getting off the ground. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think there's going to be a rebound? And um, just curious overall. Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think there's there's a lot there. I think right now the macroeconomic situation is not great, right? Like, I mean, looking around the country and, and the world, um, you know, the, we're in sort of this global, I don't know if it's a global recession yet. I, I, I'd have to check the exact numbers, but it's not, it's not great. And in any market, the first things people sell off are their more speculative assets. That's growth stocks. That's, you know, uh, things that maybe, 
you know, aren't more of a flight to quality, quote unquote, is what people look for. Stable investments that they can count on. So I think that affects it. Number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, I think we're in this growing pains period of time in Web3 where, you know, a lot of us have been saying out loud, you know, 98 percent of this is going to zero or it's not going to not going to work out just like real startups and real businesses. And I think now that it's happening, people are like, oh, my God, is this going, you know, is this happening? It's like it's happening. Um, I see it as a couple things. I think that there are a few like guaranteed winners that have at least four to five years of runway, right? Like you look at like a doodles, a pixel vault, a, a proof. You look at uh, a V friends, you look at a board apes. These are the ones that have Jenkins of LA. They have gotten funding that guarantees that they at least don't need to worry about how the bills are being paid for the next few years. And, and it lets them operate without having to FOMO market because instead of trying to get secondary sales, they have this nest egg to work on. So you have those brands. On the other side of it, you have some smaller and medium cap ones. And for them to survive, and, and I feel actually like somewhat like strongly about this because I've been saying it since before the bear market. If I was a smaller or medium sized brand in the Web3 space, what I am doing is I am looking for a Web2 brand that matches my ethos. And Knights of DGEN is doing a good job with this. Knights of DGEN mm-hmm. partnered with Action Sports Network. Why? Because Action Sports Network is betting. It fits what they do. Great. If I am a Web3 brand that is like hurting right now, I look for a Web2 brand that matches my ethos. And I say, what we will give you is just like when Adidas came in, Board Apes and Pixel Vault did this. They said, we'll give you our devs. Maybe we split the mint, a percentage of mint. And then in return, we're going to give some sort of product or advantage from your Web2 world to our holders. And in that world, you know, like as a travel brand, for example, let's say there's a, you know, brand that does well with travel. They partner with Delta. They give Delta devs and the ability to build a Web3 strategy. And in return, Delta says, cool, we'll give you miles, tickets, et cetera, for your community. Your community gets some special benefit in the Delta ecosystem. Now, everybody wins in that circumstance. And that's how I think a lot of these Web3 brands that are maybe smaller could survive because Web2 Web needs us. Make no mistake. I've talked to some of the largest agencies in the country, you know, uh, Edelman, Weber Shanwick, some of these really, really big ones that are, you know, managing billion dollar businesses in the Fortune 200 in America. And those brands don't know what they're doing in Web3 and they need our help. Yep. So so to me, it's like if you're a Web3 brand, that's a path to survival and thriving um, consol- or consolidation. The last thing I'll say is consolidation. If you're a Web3 brand, find some other sort of medium sized brands that share your ethos pool resources and people together and create like a consortium that can do that too. Cause you could consult like crazy and that window is going to pass pretty quickly as things become less expensive and easier to do. And the tech barrier drops. So now is your chance to sort of like ingrain yourself and essentially work with these large brands that have the money and want to get in here and want to do it authentically. Yeah. And I guess like the point I would add to that is that what's your ambition as a project too, because there is like this, um, I guess, you know, we've been accustomed to projects like minting out like last year and all that stuff, like even projects that had no substantial value behind them and it would just mint out and then you could raise like 500K, a million, all that stuff. I think those days are over. You know, it's, it's a more mature market and people know what they're looking for. They know the red flags and it's up to the founders to either really define the value well. So what do they, what do, what do you get with this membership? What do you get with this token? 
or like you said, which I love this idea is like partner up with a brand from Web2 that already has a substantial business where you can add to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the time is coming because, um, yeah, I mean, you look at like a brand like Starbucks coming into Web3. That's huge. And again, just, you know, humble brag for my friends because I, I I get so proud of my friends. I'm that person who gets like more pumped up for my friends than my own accomplishments because <laughs> like I'm embarrassed to talk about if I do something well. But like. I love talking you about my cheer friends. others up. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes me more excited. I mean, Joe Bunchu, Bunchu Betts, he co-founded the company that is bringing Starbucks into Web3. Like him and my buddy Adam. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So Starbucks is coming to Web3. Adam Brotman, um, I, him and I became friends early on in the ape community. And I just knew him as this ape PFP. And then I find out he's the chief. Dig he was the chief digital officer at Starbucks. So like the mobile payments <laughs> and, and loyalty platform that everyone uses for Starbucks. That's Adam. And so wow. he's close personal friends with like Howard Schultz and all that group. And they, he knows everybody in the Starbucks ecosystem and him and Joe co-founded a company with a couple other people that is uh, Starbucks is then using to create to their get NFTs. into. OK, yeah. So Joe's working on and Morgan, actually, Web3 Morgan, she's work. She's on that team as well. So um, they're killing it. They're um, they're bringing they're bringing it out and uh, they're they're going to bring Starbucks into the metaverse, essentially, so to speak, uh, into Web3. So um, but they're doing that. But Starbucks is doing it on their own because they have the resources, ability, and they've always been, you know, a brand to push the edge of tech um, with Adam at the helm of that. And now they get to do that. So like if they're coming in and Nike acquired Artifact and Adidas is starting to play around and now Gucci is, you know, messing around at some point large brands are going to start bringing their own teams on or start using these consulting firms. So like the time is getting thin for these web three brands to say, Hey, web two brand, you'd be a good partner for us. Cause we're a good match for you based on who our community is. Can we do the dev work for you? Are you going to be at NFT Vegas? So I'm not, I wanted to, I, I know that it's, you mentioned on a space that it's going to be your daughter's birthday or something, right? Yeah. And so like, Ugh, it's killing me because like I, my, you know, I realize that my trajectory and my success in this space is, 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 is slowed based on the fact that I, um, I make sure that my family, my, my wife, I want to be a good husband and a good father before anything else I do in the world, anything in the world. And, and that's probably going to slow me a little bit, but, um, and I know NFT Vegas will it's be fun. It's a thousand percent worth it. Come yeah, on. Every time. <laughs> 10 times out of 10, I missed a yacht party at NFT NYC the first year on Sunday night because it was on Halloween and I took my kids trick or treating down my street instead. 10 times out of 10, that's the right decision to me. So like, I want to go to NFT Vegas and, and like Drew Barman was trying to find a way to get me out. He's like, how can I help you make this work? I'm like, <laughs> Drew, I love you and I want to do this. But like, if it were a week before or a week later, I'm there in a heartbeat. Um, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't swing it. I just can't swing it with my daughter's birthday. I respect that. Like it's, it, you, you have your priorities and you will not, uh, you, you will not waver from them. Yeah. It's not a thing where it's like a lot of people say like, oh, I want to hang out with, you know, the guys, but my, you know, it's the, the old wife is our anniversary. It's not like that. Like this is 1000% my choice. And I, it, what I did try to think about though, like, and sincerely is I'm a big you want to bring them along. I am a big <laughs> believer in work-life integration. Like, I think that that is a, 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 a really cool thing that my kids like and know what NFTs are. My wife likes and knows what NFTs are and is in communities. And my wife visited me in NFT NYC, which I love because I got to show her my world a little bit. 
Um, and she's not a loud parties person. So like, God bless her for being a trooper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was like, man, you know what? My kids actually would love Vegas. And if I duel this, like, yes, I'll miss some Vegas stuff, but maybe we could turn this into a family vacation. Um, but with school and stuff, it just, it just couldn't work. And I was like, ah, it's like, there's, I think there's testing that week or something. And so like that yeah. would have been, cause I'll pull them out of school. Cause I'm a, again, I, I'm a believer in experiences and stuff. So we thought about, can we bring the kids along for the ride? But it's just, it's just not going to work. And how did you bring them along into the web three journey? How did you onboard them? So it's, you know, a, a, a funny thing about it is that I think people don't realize web three is super easy for kids. My 10 year old and my eight year old, like people are like, oh, are these metaverses going to work? It's a digital thing. My 10 year old, my eight year old come home every day after school or right now over the summer. They call their friends on FaceTime, but they're not actually FaceTime because their friends can't see them. It's just a chat. And they boot up Minecraft and Roblox and they play for hours and they know digital goods and that they care about that stuff more than they care about physical stuff. Their favorite, like they do chores around the house. I can get them to clean their rooms to uh, to earn money to get them a Roblox gift card to buy like a regular Roblox subscription so they could spend digital money on digital things. So for my kids, I was like, you know, here's what the concept is. And they're like, duh, like they didn't they didn't even like <laughs> it was like a no brainer for them. Um, so that was easy. Um, and the first thing that I had them do is actually there's there's a project Maison de Goats. It's called Goats. Um, my buddy Des is the founder. Great guy. Yeah. Super smart. Um, and they have this concept where you can combine two. It was the first customizable profile picture I know of where you could take one goat and maybe forging, they, right? Yeah, you got it. It's the forge. So like maybe you like the horns on one and you like the facial features on another and the you can combine two goats. So what I did was I had my kids to teach them a little bit about like blockchain and all the other stuff is I had them each in a, for the first four in a forge season pick goats they like, we constructed which choice we were, and they each forged a goat, which hilariously, when I put out all the goats I own, the goats community, without knowing which ones are which, will tell me that my kids' goats are their two favorite goats I own. So like, <laughs> of course. Um, but they forged goats, and, and that was their first introduction, but they got it. And then my wife is like the biggest ride or die you will ever see in your life. It's like the greatest thing on the planet, because I mentioned I don't celebrate wins very well. I need that like rah rah cheerleader. Um, and my wife, like we've always been like, we'll find a way happiness is the ROI. So like when I got a reporter job, she had a really good job in Columbus, Ohio. And I got my first reporter job in Washington state. And she's like, all right, like let's throw the cats in the car and drive 3000 miles. Cause this is our, our thing. And then I had a really good job in Washington and she was unhappy. And I was like in the middle of the recession, no less in like 2009, I was like, all right, well, you're unhappy. Let's throw the cats in the car and drive back because I want you to be happy. And so she's really supportive. And so like, well, I remember when I bought my board ape, actually it's, it's funny. Like I bought a board ape for a thousand dollars. I paid 0.3 for it on secondary market. And our friends looked at her and they're like, how do you feel about that? And she's like, well, I trust him. And you know, I'm not going to like tell him not to do it. Like he does his research. Like she's mm -hmm. like, this, this is my husband who, when he was deciding what type of dog we were going to get. I had a color coded spreadsheet to decide what type of dog we were going to get with, <laughs> with the grades and, and like criteria. She's like, so he's probably done his research and she's like, plus I'm not going to tell him what to do. And then when it was worth $5,000, the same friends are like over hanging out and they're like, so you're going to make him sell it. She's like, no, I'm going to make him sell it. And like, oh, I mean, it's like, again, it's my <laughs> husband. I'm going to believe what he's doing. Then 
probably around November last year, those same friends are like, so tell me, how do we get into NFTs? So like, <laughs> so she's like, she's like super supportive, always has been. And like, she was always interested in um, her first NFT was probably a goat as well, just because it's a community we've been super into um, and really love the people there. They're so supportive. I send all my new friends to goats because they're great at onboarding and, and love everybody. So yeah, it's such yeah. A, a vibrant community. It's so awesome to hear the way that your relationship is has worked out and still like working that way because we we need to find someone that trusts the decision that we make and also we have to be there for them when they they're not necessarily feeling good or they're they're not necessarily happy. We have to be willing to do the sacrifice of for example you moved back to Ohio because she was not happy in Washington. Yeah, I mean I mean again like she's sort of like in a spot where like you know like she like her and I like even a couple of years ago she was working, she was kicking ass. She was working for a public relations firm in downtown. And, you know, she was doing a great job. She's on this upward trajectory. They love her. But she's like not home at a decent hour. So like she would be out of the morning before the kids got on the bus. She would be back after we, the kids were off the bus. Like I'd be like starting dinner or maybe she would make dinner, whatever it was. And then like she'd get home at like six, seven o'clock and never see anybody. Kids do bed. And I was like, you know, like. I want you to be happy. So if your career math, like this part of your career is important, don't do anything. But I was like, I've been doing the math and you could just leave your job and we can make this work. Like we'd have to make some sacrifices, mm. but like you could leave your job. And she was like, okay, okay, maybe I don't. And she did. And like, yeah, we had to make some sacrifices and it made certain things and it puts more pressure on me as a worker. But I'm like, but that makes us happier. And then she was staying home and was like, but I want to do something. And thankfully we had this like serendipitous situation where a person who actually worked in my group, who's like a great friend of mine. She's like one of my best friends. Her husband owns an auto repair shop and was like, I need someone to do like front desk for me or I'm going to like freak out. Like I'm losing it. Like I need someone to manage. And my wife was like, well, you just want someone to come in and leave. And he's like, yeah. He's like, when do you come in? And he's like, well, after." and so it turns out she comes in after our kids get on the bus, off the bus, on the bus. Mm -hmm. She comes home before they get off the bus. She makes enough money to cover our mortgage, which is awesome doing that. And she basically goes in, works with one of our good friends and like is happy doing what she's doing. And I'm like, you don't need to be climbing this corporate ladder or doing things as other people think you should. Like if that makes you happy and it means that we have the best, highest quality of life, like that's awesome. You work with our friend and we're in a great spot. Like, and so like we've always been that way where we're like, what makes you happy? And so when I was wanting to quit my job to go full time Web3, she's like, yeah, of course I support you. And if not, we'll figure out another way to make it work like we always do. And I think that like, that give take that we have is like so important because like we genuinely trust and support each other no matter what the decision is. Because again, we always map back to like, what's the return on investment we're looking for? And the answer is happiness. And that's it. Amen. Wow. Okay. That that was like mic drop. We're, we're going to clip that <laughs> and just like post it on Twitter. <laughs> At the end, like honestly, like what what matters is just like your, your own happiness. Like it doesn't matter how many zeros you add to your bank account. If you're not happy, if the family's not going well, you're going to you're going to feel miserable. And um, I, I was I was just wondering, like you transitioning to your everyday job to a, you know, a more Web3 centric position or career. How like how did that impact you? Do, do you feel like you're, you're getting more creative and also like more entrepreneurial through that. And I'm just like curious, like, how do you make that transition? Do you go at it gradually? And when was the moment that you really thought like, Hey, I have to go into this like full time. Oh yeah. Well, like this is going to be a, like a longer answer than you bargained for, but like, 
So like I've always been super into tech. Like I, in sixth grade, I taught myself HTML because I wanted to build websites. I thought they were so cool. Like this is when websites were like a new thing because I'm 39. So like I've, I've been around the block a few times, but I taught myself like that, even taught myself how to uh, or learned how to code zones in these things called MUDs, multi-user dimensions, which are these nerdy online mm. text-based Dungeons and Dragons game. And a lot of people, teachers, by the way, told me, this is a really useless skill. Like you need to learn how to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like you're, you're making web pages. Not every company needs a web page. Why would I go to a web page when I could go to a store and learn more and call a company? Oh my God. Okay. Can I just add to that? Like when I, I first started my marketing agency, we, we specialize in hospitality. So restaurants, bars, clubs, hotels. And the reason why I got into that is because I have an older brother that's actually nine years older than me. So he's 38 and, um, and he knew, I guess, like a, a lot of his friends, like own bars and restaurants and all that stuff. And I was really into photography. So he was saying, he was saying like, you know, well, why don't you just do their photography and like, uh, you know, post it on their Facebook because that could help them with their marketing. And the amount of people that like I reached out to at that time when Facebook was still new and I was saying to them, you need to be on Facebook. They were all saying like, why would my business ever need to be on Facebook? Like... I, yo, I feel that so hard. Cause like, that's like chapter two for me. So like chapter two for me was like, I was on Facebook in 2004 and Twitter in 2009. And I got the same comments from people around me who I like loved and trusted who were like, you know, they're like, Hey, like we uh, don't think that like, this is the future. What are you doing? Like, I don't care what anybody ate for breakfast. No one cares about your status. And I remember with Twitter, I was like, yo, the first reports of the plane landing on the Hudson river they came from Twitter, not from like some news helicopter. Like that's a big deal. That's a seminal moment in communications. And I just was like, nobody cared. So like I had a similar experience and like, I never chased that down. But the thing is, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. I've always like wanted to swing the bat, but I've never had the guts. And I've always been like, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to listen to these other people who are telling me what I'm supposed to do. And so, you know, around comes web three. And by the way, I got into crypto in 2017 and incorrectly said like this ethereum stuff is going to be more important than this bitcoin stuff or at least i said it was going to be more worth more because you could build businesses on it i remember smart i told people who worked in my group in 2017 will tell you i talked their ear off about big i sounded crazy i talked about bitcoin and ethereum and i'm like and let me tell you about smart contracts like because i was so <laughs> like literally in 2017 they'll tell you like they heard about it and i realized at the beginning of last year i'm like this is like this stuff that i was talking about and i sort of hit this point um you know, because I've led multiple disciplines at multinationals and Fortune 500s. I'm very fortunate that I've led stuff in communications and marketing and been really comfortable in that. Led internal communications at a Fortune 200 company during the pandemic. Um, you know, so that was like challenging, but rewarding. Led PR for a Fortune 500, led PR for like a multinational. Um, and so like, I got to do a lot of really cool stuff, but like, this was it for me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm secure enough in my career that I feel like if I leave, first of all, when I left up, uh, I worked for Progressive Insurance for nine years. When I left there, the CEO sent me an email that was like, no. And like my, um, the CHRO <laughs> sent me a text that night and said, let me know when you're ready to come back. So like, I'm like, okay, I feel good about that. And then when I left Nestle, which is the last company I worked for, the uh, vice president of communications is like, let me know when you're ready to come back. The door's always open. So I'm like, okay, I feel good that even if those were empty promises, like, which I don't think they were. I think they were very full promises. Like I could probably get another job in corporate America, even if I take a step back. So I'm like, I should try this. So it was like scary, but I was like, I'm just going to swing the bat because there's like Wahid, the founder of uh, the founder artist from all smiles, like a really cool project mm -hmm. in the web three space. 
he has this quote I really love. And he goes, I would rather say, oh, well, than what if? And that really yeah. kind of stuck with me. I was like, you know what? Like, let's say, oh, well, instead of what if. If this doesn't work and I fall on my face, whatever. But I at least want to try. And like, honestly, like, I don't know if I can ever. Maybe I will. I don't know if I could ever go back to a corporate life. I'm, I didn't know I could be like this level of happy doing what I'm doing. It's stressful. It's hard. It's got its ups. It's got its downs. But like. Well, it's like you, you jumped over the fence. There's no going back now. You're like, you, you saw like. <laughs> you saw what you saw, the level of happiness that you have. Yeah, like it, it, it's, it, that's a good way to put it. It's like I jumped over the fence and I was like, I can design my own world. Like I wake up every day and I do two hours, sometimes four hours if we're cooking a morning show. I consult on brands and advise on projects for like NFT in, the, in that world. I have a project I will now soon I can't talk about, which is nothing to do with like an NFT project, but it's like related to Web3, which is like the biggest opportunity I've ever had in my life. And that's a thing. And like, I, I apologize for being cagey. I really need to like get my act in order so I can announce it. And so I've been working on all these really cool things. And like, I think the point I realized it to answer like kind of your initial question was like, and again, this is like, I, I feel so weird, like talking about like the things I do, but like, I, you know, I co-authored the first Harvard Business Review article on NFTs. And I remember when I wrote that with like my co-author, Scott, and it, 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 it got so well received in the community, people outside of the community. And I started hearing things like New York Times, like Ezra Klein, mentioning it on his podcast, who's like this major like thought leader and like all these people mm -hmm. referencing it in these worlds and like saying my name about my article. And I'm like, I should be doing that full time. If these people who I respect and think are the greatest thing in the world are like saying that they're pointing to my article as like, the source for even before funny story before I left Nestle the week I was leaving Nestle they didn't know I the person who didn't know I was leaving from Veve Switzerland where the headquarters is sends me an email and they're like hey we just realized you work for us and you wrote this article on NFTs like any chance we could talk about it I'm like I'll come back but I'm leaving uh it's just about trying stuff like you don't know what you like until you actually get a taste of it and I think a lot of times like when people think about entrepreneurship, they think about it like as going all in and at once. No, it's not necessarily going all in at once. It's just like trying stuff out. Like you were writing stuff way before you quit your job. And then you saw like the reactions from the people and you're like, Hey, what if I did this? And it's not just like this, uh, hail Mary, like, Hey, I'll, I'll just like burn the boats and like, no looking back and let me just start my business or let me just go blindly into web three. Like you already dabble into it, knowing your background from television, you have charisma, you know how to talk. And so that is a powerful tool that you can combine with your curiosity to learn, which, uh, you do, you absolutely do have. If you were, do, if you were building muds, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think, I think that is a, a precursor to what you're going to be interested in, in the future. You're going to always going to be at the edge and people want to learn, uh, from the people that are at the edge of any kind of new emerging technologies. Well, like, I think like I, I had this inclination that people just really like hearing people who are excited about stuff, talk about the stuff they're excited about. At least I do. Like I can listen yeah. to somebody <laughs> talk about, you know, the mechanics behind garbage trucks. If they're so excited about it, I'm like, dude, that's so cool. I legitimately like, I, I always used to listen to Gary Vaynerchuk talk about like, if you like Thundercats, go to a Thundercats podcast. If you like, he's like, maybe yep. you'll make less money, but like, you'll be happy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like my corporate job and my benefits. And I got comfortable and comfort is like a scary thing. And I realized like, I'm like, oh, I know what he means now because 
I mean, at least at the moment, like I'm not making more money than I was making at a corporate job leading communications for like multinational brands, but like I'm so much happier. And like, I'm like, I could never go back and maybe it'll pay off long term. But like, even if it doesn't, like I get to like part of my job today, today, like we just talked about the proof thing to do my job effectively. I had a like, so my day today was I did coffee with captain from eight to 10. Then I had a 10 o'clock call with a brand clubhouse archives I'm working with as their chief culture officer to help them drive that forward, like working with them part time. Right. So I did that. Mm -hmm. Then I had a call with um, uh, my friend who's doing fan control football league stuff for some stuff we might do with them for DGen. We're talking about. Um, and then I was like hard stop at, at noon or hard stop at one. I mean, why? Because I had to go listen to Kevin Rose and the proof talk and then yes. Spend an hour writing a thread because that's part of my job to be like a reporter of the news and be an honest person. And like the, the greatest compliment I got, by the way, is like on the on the proof stage, I asked a question and Justin was so nice. He's like, Steve, like he recognized my PFP and he's he's a great guy. And then I like was getting ready to step off stage because they were on limited time. I'm like, I don't want to suck up too much time. Thanks, y'all. I'll bounce. And he's like, wait, wait, Steve, before you leave, we really appreciate your threads. And we even pass them around in our own personal slack. So thanks for like criticizing where we need it, but also giving credit. And I was like, wow, that like made my year. So like, it's like, that's my job. And now I'm talking to you. And like, this is, and then I'm going to jump onto a space after this. And then tonight there's a space with a night. So I'm working more hours, <laughs> right? There's a space tonight, a DJ one. I'm working more hours, I'm but it's the greatest time of my life. And I love it so much. And I'm so happy. And like, but you, you, you know? you're having engaging conversations like it, it that, that's the beautiful stuff that got me hooked on Web3 as well, is that I get to connect with people that are super passionate about the space. And as much as like, you know, we, we like to think of our, as ourselves as like, oh, we we went there like a little bit earlier than someone else or we like that person was older into the space like they, they were there in 2017 or 18 or whatever. Like at the end of the day, it's still very early and we're just super curious about what everybody has to say. So that's why I, I also say to a lot of people is just like if you want to ask something, if you want to be engaged in the community, just reach out and just go to the spaces and go to Coffee and Captain, like raise your hand, be on stage like that. That's what we want to hear. What makes me so happy about coffee with Captain? Because that was cool. Because coffee with Captain's hilarious. Because like, do you drink coffee? Oh, I drink so much coffee. Way <laughs> too much coffee. I am a I am a coffee aholic. Um, I, I'm actually probably gonna be in a cranky mood in the next couple of months because at some point I'm gonna take a like at least a couple of weeks off off coffee. I'll go to green tea and like switch down, which is like greatly reduce my caffeine intake because I drink too much. But, like how much? Ooh. <laughs> okay. So like, I'll drink. The problem is I don't know how many cups it is. But like there's these Contigo mugs that are like the mega, not like pretty big size Contigo mug. Um, and I'll go through like two of those a day, sometimes with cold brew. Like I'll have one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Sometimes I even have a pick me up after that. Like I am way too deep in the coffee, but I love it. I love and I only drink my coffee black. Like I don't put anything in it. Yes, sir. Of, sometimes I'll put cinnamon in it like a little bit, like not in my coffee, but like when I make a cold brew, I'll put a little bit of cinnamon in the cold brew mix at that it sinks overnight. And it has like just a slight hint of like a, a nice rich flavor to it. But most of the time it's like just completely black. It's funny because like the people that have such a high energy as you, like a lot of people that ask, like, do you drink coffee? They're like, no, no, no. I'm just naturally like that. But I'm sure you're naturally very high energy. But I just wanted to know. So you were you were going to say something about coffee and captain, something you're really excited about. Oh, yeah. No, it's it, the thing that coffee with Captain. There's like two things like, well, the funny part is like how it started is like 
like captain he's just like one of my dgen co-founders and he was like you know what like there's no morning talk space that like is really like intelligent high level thought where we really bring people on to be like kind and it's not like pumping and it's not like gimmicky it's just like you know quick fit quick, quick piece like it just didn't exist and when we start when he started in december i wasn't even actually his co-host i just showed up to support him and there was like nine people in the space like for like the first like two months or something and i would just he kept inviting me up to speak and i joke around that like I'm like the feral cat that he kept feeding. And then eventually, like, he decided to just have me be co-host of the show because, like, I just never went away and he just adopted me. Um, mm -hmm. And then, like, it became a thing. And, like, before you know it, it went from, like, nine people. And by the way, that there's a lesson there that I think anybody can learn, which is, like, consistency matters. Monday yep. through Friday since December, we've missed zero shows. Even when he went on a cruise in Europe and I had to host and get guest co-host, we did it. When I've been out of town, when my dad passed away and I couldn't do it, he hosts it. It just happens Monday through Friday, always like no excuses. NFT NYC, those shows are hilarious. I sound like death. I was out until three in the morning. <laughs> I have no voice and we wake up. I remember I opened my mouth the first time just to talk and bunch you under the DJ network handle just starts <laughs> laughing because like I sound terrible. Um, but we play through the pain and we make it happen because we see it as a job. Like when we were at VCon, we did it through breakfast on the walk to the stadium. Like, and it's crazy because we went from nine people to like, now it's like, we can expect to have a minimum. hundred and more. Yeah. A minimum of 150 in a morning at our peak time, usually 200 plus at our peak time and usually 500 to a thousand in and out. And that's a normal day. But like for the other side, man, I mean, we have like 12,000 people in and out, you know, all day on that yep. one. So it's like, and if you think about it, like picturing talking in front of an auditorium of like 200 people, that's like a theater, you know? Um, so like that part's cool. And then I just get excited about the fact that like people see it as a safe space. And, and that makes me really happy is that like our big thing is we say disagree without being disagreeable. And people come up and like today, just today alone, it was great. We had a space and I was talking about Gary and how I like V friends. And someone had a counterpoint of view with some V friends thoughts. And she had no problem coming up, giving the perspective mm -hmm. and pushing it out. And I thanked her and I said, I do more research and I wanted to look into more because I think smart, I think changing your mind is a strength, not a weakness if, if there's good reason. And it was just really helpful to like have, and that's what I love and makes me so happy about Coffee with Captain is it's this area where people can come up and give any opinion and know that unless they're being a jerk about it, they're not going to get laughed out of the room. They're not going to get made fun of. They can ask simple questions. that seem simple to other people. Like it doesn't matter. And that's the proudest part about coffee with captain for me is it's become this really welcoming kind space. And, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Do you ever think about like how it would be like to host an event like yours that you're doing on Twitter space? Let's say a, a hundred people show up, a thousand people show up. Imagine doing that in real life. Do you, do, do, does it, does it feel stressful to you if it was in real life? You know, honestly, like this is going to sound, I swear to God, this is the truth. It, it doesn't just because I've gotten comfortable in that. Like there's always like a little bit of nerves before you go on stage or something like that. Like I, I'm comfortable in coffee with Captain. And I'm comfortable speaking in front of people. But it's just, I've never had that phobia of speaking in front of people. It's just never something I've been, I, I don't know if like I'm missing a piece of my brain that I should be more scared, but like, <laughs> I just never, I don't know. Like I, I could unpack it for a lot of reasons, but I, if there was like, like I'd be stoked to have 5,000, 10,000, 100,000 people. Like I've spoken in front of large crowds before. I've spoken, like I said, speech at graduation, you know, hosted things in front of 5,000 people. Like it's never been something where, 
I've been afraid of the actions or, or how it's going to go. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's something that actually excites me. It would be super fun. I mean, like, I would love if I got myself to a point in this world where next year I could host a panel at VCon, right? And I could be like a, mm-hmm. a, a person who does the interview similar to my, my friend Jenny was, was one of the hosts. And it was so exciting. I was like, so, man, I was... You know, I, I remember seeing it and I was like, Web3, class of 2021, Jenny Sutto, she's hosting a panel at VCon. Let's go, main stage. And like, you know, it's like, I would love to do that. Like, and, and, and I think it would be cool. And like, you know, and it's funny because I see people who be like, oh, why is she? I've seen people say like, why did she like, oh, this person's hosting or that person. And I'm like, you know what? People did this to Laura last. Laura, Laura Rod was hosting the Board Ape Spaces 1 million last night. And some people were like, they had things to say. I'm like, she earned that. And she's awesome. And like, her win is not your loss and just be happy for people who do awesome things and get awesome opportunities. Like it didn't come at your expense, but um, it's a whole side tangent, but yeah, like I think it'll be cool. I think it'll be fun. And I just be excited about it. It doesn't make me nervous or throw up or anything. It just, I don't know. I love that energy and I I think it's fun. Closing thoughts. Like what's coming up for uh, Steve and at NFT bark, like what, what are you working on and what should people look out for? Oof. Uh, Pay attention to my Twitter because I think I'll be I'll probably announce my other thing I'm working on pretty soon, which is going to take a little bit to develop. But it's going to be I wish I could talk about it here, but I just need to get my act together and actually set up like a website to show what it's going to be and stuff. And, and you'll see what that is. But it's quite literally like the biggest professional opportunity of my life, a dream, something that is so cool. So I think like it's that it's DGEN. It's creating content and it's just continuing to. So be- DGEN, DGEN is going to be in September. For minting? DGEN uh, token will mint September 7th. Um, it's 0.2 mint because we think that that value comes out of the community and we've had a lot of support in that number. We, we did a lot of sort of- And how many tokens? Research. A thousand. And I didn't think we were going to sell out, but I'm starting to decide, wonder if we are now because our pre-mint has like 900 on it already, um, which is not necessarily an indicator, but it was, a, we actually stopped because we're like, okay, we don't want, we want our community to have first cut at this who really wants to be here. Net net like DGen network like token coming in September seventh that'll be exciting. Um, continuing to do DGen events, um, you know, continuing to create content. It's just I don't know. Like I'm excited to be like a market commentator and and just work in tech for the rest of my life. Like that's what I want to do is just be in tech and just talk about the industry and get to be a consumer. Because like God, there's nothing cooler than getting to like do something you really like. And like that gets to be your job, you know, whether you're making one dollar or a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, it's the coolest thing. So I think that's what's next for me. And I, I can't wait to kind of like play it out. Can't wait to hear more about it. And so, you know, if anyone wants to follow what you're doing, it's at NFT Bark on Twitter, right? NFT Bark on Twitter. That is the best number one place to find me. I spend way too much time on Twitter. Um, follow me and then follow DJ Network, D-G-E-N-N-E-T-W-R-K. Those are the two places you're going to want to follow me. Just wanted to say thank you again. Just wanted to acknowledge you for everything that you do in the space. Like you're giving so much valuable information and also like you're, you're being authentic and genuine about it. And you're really trying to build a community, not at the expense of others, but always adding value to everyone that is joining the space. So thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time today to be on the show. 100%. You're a gem, Martin. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it so much. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please consider leaving a review for me. Um, It's always super helpful to get that kind of feedback uh, of what I'm doing right, what I could improve. And uh, so if you can take 13 to 35 seconds of your time to share some thoughts with me, I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. And uh, until next time.